Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. Or if you mouse over the link to top from my edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also on that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the text readings as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, where we are reading Section 5, The Obstacles to Peace. Today we're reading under Section 5, Section C, The Third Obstacle, The Attraction of Death. We'll be reading through paragraph 89 today. We're also mindful of our lesson, Lesson 200, the last in this review 6. And like every idea in the review, today's lesson is preceded and followed or wrapped within the idea, I'm not a body, I'm free, for I'm still as God created me. Today we're reviewing lesson one. No, today we're review, reviewing lesson 200, uh, which is there is no peace except the peace of God. By way of opening this morning, I found this beautiful poem from Helen Schuckman in her book, The Gifts of God. The poem is entitled The Holy Purpose. The Holy Purpose goes like this there is no death there is no death what God creates must be eternal changeless incorruptible and safe forever can the holy die and can the son of God be made as he was not created keep the body not it serves its purpose and is given up it cannot suffer as the mind invests it with a holy purpose. Miracles are always ready to restore and heal the mind's intent if it, if it forgets its goal. Communication then restored. Communication then restored will be the Holy Spirit's single remedy. Isn't that just perfect for today? There is no peace except the peace of God. Amen. Yes, that was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank really you, Lori. Happy to come upon that this morning. Okay, my friends. Here's our reading list this morning. So far, we have Fran, Lemoyne, Jessica, Donna, and Robin Marie, who are joined in listening by Ida. Who else has come along that might like to be on the reading list or just say good morning? It's Harrison of Pride Reading. Oh, most excellent. Thank you, Harrison. Okay. So I'll get us started then. 
in chapter 19, Beyond the Body, section 5, The Obstacles to Peace, and subsection C, The Third Obstacle, The Attraction of Death, beginning with paragraph 77. To you, in whose special relationship the Holy Spirit entered, it is given to release and be released from the dedication to death. For it was offered you, and you accepted. Yet you must learn still more about this strange devotion, for it contains the third of the obstacles which peace must flow across. No one can die unless he chooses death. What seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. Guilt, too, is feared and fearful. Yet it could have no hold at all except on those who are attracted to it and seek it out. And so it is with death. Made by the ego, its dark shadow falls across all living things because the ego is the so-called enemy of life. A friend. Chapter 19, Beyond the Body, Section 5, Obstacles to Peace, and C, the third obstacle, the attraction of death. Paragraph 77. To you, in whose special relationship the Holy Spirit entered, it is given to release and be released from the dedication to death. For it was offered you, and you accepted. Yet you must learn still more about this strange devotion, for it contains the third of the obstacles which peace must flow across. No one can die unless he chooses death. What seems to be the fear of death is really its attraction. Guilt, too, is feared and fearful. Yet it could have no hold at all except on those who are attracted to it and seek it out. And so it is with death. Made by the ego, its dark shadow falls across all living things because the ego is the quote-unquote enemy of life. 78. And yet a shadow cannot kill. What is the shadow to the living? They but walk past and it is gone. But what of those whose dedication it is not to live? The black draped quote-unquote sinners the ego's mournful course, plodding so heavily away from life, dragging their chains and marching in the slow procession which honors their grim master, Lord of Death. Touch any one of them with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away along with yours. See him throw aside the black robe he was wearing to his funeral and hear him laugh at them. The sentence sin would lay upon him, he can escape through your forgiveness. Thank you, friend. And one. All right. Pardon for the delay, my computer. Okay, there it is. I'll shut the book down. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to back up one sentence here. 
Made by the ego, death's dark shadow falls across all living things because the ego is the quote-unquote enemy of life. And yet a shadow cannot kill. What is a shadow to the living? They but walk past and it is gone. But what of those whose dedication it is not to live? The black draped quote-unquote sinners, the ego's mournful chorus, plodding so heavily away from life, dragging their chains and marching in the slow procession which honors their grim master, Lord of Death. Touch any one of them with the gentle hands of forgiveness and watch the chains fall away along with yours. See him throw aside the black robe he was wearing to his funeral and hear him laugh at death. The sentence sin would lay upon him, he can escape through your forgiveness. This is no arrogance. It is the will of God. What is impossible to you who chose his will as yours? What is death to you? Your dedication is not to death nor to its master. When you accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose in place of the egos, you renounced death, exchanging it for life. We know that an idea leaves not its source, and death is the result of the thought we call the ego, as surely as life is the result of the thought of God. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Jessica, if you'd like to do 79, uh, subtitle, and 80, please. Sure. I'll just go back one sentence also. The sentence, I mean, yeah, the sentence sin would lay upon him, he can escape through your forgiveness. 79, this is no arrogance. It is the will of God. What is impossible to you who chose his will as yours? What is death to you? Your dedication is not to death, nor to its master. When you accepted the Holy Spirit's purpose in place of the egos, you renounced death, exchanging it for life. We know that an idea leaves not its source, and death is the result of the thought we call the ego, as surely as life is the result of the thought of God. The incorruptible body, 80, from the ego came sin and guilt and death, its opposition to life and innocence and to the will of God himself. I'm sorry, I'll read that over. From the ego came sin and guilt and death in opposition to life, <clears throat> to life and innocence and to the will of God himself. Where can such opposition lie but in the sick minds of the insane dedicated to madness and set against the peace of heaven? One thing is sure. God, who created neither sin nor death, wills not that you be bound by them. He knows of neither sin nor its results. 
the shrouded figures in the funeral and march not in honor of their creator. Whose will it is, they live. They are not followed by it. They are opposing. Reggie. We had one on Muta's line. Go ahead, Jessica. Oh, I thought I was done. Okay. Well, I, I, yes. was, I was distracted yeah. by the um, Sorry. I, by the yeah. line. Okay. Thank you, honey. Well, let's see. After Jessica is Donna. From the ego came sin and guilt and death in opposition to life and innocence and to the will of God himself. Where can such opposition lie but in the sick minds of the insane, dedicated to madness and set against the peace of heaven? One thing is sure, God who created neither sin nor death, wills not that you be bound by them. He knows of neither sin nor its results. The shrouded figures in the funeral procession march not in honor of their creator, whose will it is they live. They are not following it. They are opposing it. 81. And what is the black-draped body they would bury? A body which they dedicated to death, a symbol of corruption, a sacrifice to sin, offered to sin to to feed upon and keep itself alive, a thing condemned, damned by its maker, and lamented by every mourner who looks upon it as himself. You who believe you have condemned the Son of God to their You who believe you have condemned the Son of God to this are arrogant. But you who would release him are but honoring the will of his Creator. The arrogance of sin, the pride of guilt, the sepulchre of separation. All are part of your unrecognized dedication to death. The glitter of guilt you laid upon the body would kill it. For what the ego loves, it kills for its obedience. But what obeys it not, it cannot kill. Thank you, Donna. And Robin Marie. Eighty-one. And what is the black draped body they would bury? A body which they dedicated to death, a symbol of corruption, a sacrifice to sin, offered to sin to feed upon and keep itself alive, a thing condemned, damned by its maker, 
and lamented by every mourner who looks upon it as himself. You who believe you have condemned the Son of God to this are arrogant, but you who would release him are but honoring the will of his Creator. The arrogance of sin, the pride of guilt, the sepulcher of separation are all part of your unrecognized dedication to death. The glitter of guilt you laid upon the body would would kill it. For what the ego loves, it kills for its obedience. But what obeys it not, it cannot kill. 82. You have another dedication which would keep the body incorruptible and perfect as long as it is useful for your holy purpose. The body no more dies than it can feel. It does nothing. Of itself, it is neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. It is the result of a tiny mad idea of corruption which can be corrected. For God has answered this insane idea with his own, an answer which left him not, and therefore brings a creator to the awareness of every mind which heard his answer and accepted it. Thank you, Robin Marie and Harrison. Eighty-two. Excuse me. You have another dedication which would keep the body incorruptible and perfect as long as it is useful for your holy purpose. The body no more dies than it can feel. It does nothing. Of itself, it is neither corruptible nor incorruptible. It is nothing. It is the result of a tiny mad idea of corruption which can be corrected. For God has answered this insane idea with his own, an answer which left him not, and therefore brings the Creator to the awareness of every mind which heard his answer and accepted it. You are dedicated to the incorruptible. Start that again. You who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance the power to release from corruption. What better way to seek to teach the first and fundamental principle in A Course in Miracles than by showing you the one which seems to be the hardest 
can be accomplished first. The body can but serve your purpose. As you look upon it, so will it seems to be. That were true would be the final and complete disruption of communication, which is the ego's goal. Thank you, Harrison. And would there be a new reader for 83 and 84? Yes, I will read it. Thank you, Ida. Just a second here. Eighty-three. You who are dedicated to the incorruptible have been given through your acceptance the power to release from corruption. What better way to teach the first and fundamental principle in A Course on Miracles than by showing you the one that seems to be the hardest can be accomplished first. The body can but serve your purpose. As you look upon it, so it will seem to be. Death, were it true, would be the final and complete disruption of communication, which is the ego's goal. 84. Those who fear death see not how often and how loudly they call to it and bid it come to save them from communication. For death is seen as safety, the great dark savior from the light of truth, the answer to the capital answer, the silencer of the voice that speaks for God. Yet the retreat to death is not the end of conflict. Only God's answer is the end. The obstacle of your seeming love for death, that peace must flow across, seems to be very great, for in it lies hidden all the ego's secrets, all its strange devices for deception, all its sick ideas and weird imaginings. Here is the final end of union, the triumph of the ego's making of a creation, the victory of lifelessness on life itself. Thank you, Ida. And would there be another new reader for 84 and 85? Good morning, Lori. It's Jude. I can read it. Thanks, Jude. 84. Those who fear death see not how often and how loudly they call to it and bid it come to them or to save them from communication. For death is seen as safety, the great dark savior from the light of truth. The answer to answer the silencer of God's voice, the voice that speaks for God. Yet the retreat to death, excuse me, I lost my place. 
Yet the retreat to death is not the end of consciousness. Only God's answer is its end. The obstacle of your seeming love for death that peace must flow across seems to be very great. For in it lies hidden all the ego's secrets, all its strange devices for deception, and all its ideas and weird imaginings. Here is the final end of union, the triumph of the ego's making, the ego's making over creation, the victory of lifelessness on capital life, capital itself. Under the dusty edge of its distorted world, the ego would lay the Son of God slain by its orders, proof in his decay that God himself is powerless before the ego's might, unable to protect the life that God created against the ego's savage wish to kill. My brothers, children of our Father, this is a dream, a dream, a dream of death. There is no funeral, no dark altars, no grim commandments, nor twisted rituals of condemnation to which the body leads you. Ask not release of the body, but free it from the merciless and unrelenting orders you laid upon it, and forgive it what you ordered it to do. In its exaltation, you commanded it to die, for only death could conquer life, and what but insanity could look upon the defeat of God and think it real. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And would there be another new reader for 85 and 86? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. 85. Under the dusty edge of its distorted world, the ego would lay the Son of God, slain by its orders, proof in his decay that God himself is powerless before the ego's might, unable to protect the life that he created against the ego's savage wish to kill. My brothers, children of our father, this is a dream of death. There is no funeral, no dark altars, no grim commandments, nor twisted rituals of condemnation to which the body leads you. Ask not release of it, but free it from the merciless, and unrelenting orders you laid upon it and forgive it what you ordered it to do. In its exaltation, you commanded it to die, for only death could conquer life. And what but insanity could look upon the defeat of God and think it real? 86. 
The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. The end of sin, which nestles quietly in the safety of your relationship, protected by your union, ready to grow into a mighty force for God, is very near. The infancy of salvation is carefully guarded by love, preserved from every thought that would attack it and quietly made ready to fulfill the mighty task for which it was given. Your newborn purpose is nursed by angels, cherished by the Holy Spirit, and protected by God himself. It needs, it, it needs not protection. It is yours, for it is deathless, and within it lies the end of I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, thank you, Sandra. And is there another narrator for 86 and 87? Eighty-six and eighty-seven. Alrighty, Fran, back to you. Eighty-six. The fear of death will go as its appeal is yielded to love's real attraction. The end of sin, which nestles quietly in the safety of your relationship, protected by your union, ready to grow into a mighty force for God. <coughs> excuse me, is very near. The infancy of salvation is carefully guarded by love, preserved from every thought that would attack it, and quietly made ready to fulfill the mighty task for which it was given you. Your newborn purpose is nursed by angels, cherished by the Holy Spirit, and protected by God himself. It needs not your protection. It is yours, for it is deathless, and within it lies the end of death. 87. What danger can assail the holy innocent? What can attack the guiltless? What fear can enter and disturb the peace of sinlessness? What has been given you, even in its infancy, is in full communication with God and you. In its tiny hands, it holds in perfect safety every miracle you will perform, held out to you. The miracle of life is ageless. Born in time, but nourished in eternity. Behold this infant to whom you gave a resting place by your forgiveness of each other, and see in it the will of God. Here is the babe of Bethlehem reborn, and everyone who gives him shelter will follow him, not to the cross, but to the resurrection and the life. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. Okay, I'm going through to the end. All right. Yes, okay, please. 87. Okay, 87. What danger can assail the holy innocent? What can attack the guiltless? 
What fear can enter and disturb the peace of sinlessness? What has been given you, even in its infancy, is in full communication with God and you. In its tiny hands, it holds in perfect safety every miracle you will perform held out to you. The miracle of life is ageless, born in time, but nourished in eternity. Behold this infant to whom you gave a resting place by your forgiveness of each other and see in it the will of God. Here is the babe of Bethlehem reborn, and everyone who gives him shelter will follow him, not to the cross, but to the resurrection and the life. When anything seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, remember it is always for one reason. The ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Remember then that neither sign nor symbol should be confused with source, for they must stand for something other than themselves. Their meaning cannot lie in them, but must be sought in what they represent. And they may thus, and they may thus mean everything or nothing according to the truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect. Confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. Remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, take this, and take this from me and look upon it judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace. But let you use it for me to facilitate for me its coming. Facilitate coming. Thank you, Lemoyne. <coughs> you know what? Um, I think I heard Ida uh, making an echo to that last part. Ida, would you like to read 88 and 89? Oh, okay. Just a second. Oh. <laughs> it's just a thought. No, yeah. Oh, my reading glasses here. Um <laughs> When anything seems to be fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, remember it is always for one reason. <clears throat> the ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Remember then that neither sign nor symbol should be confused with source 
for they must stand for something other than themselves. Their meaning cannot lie in them, but must be sought in what they represent. And they may thus mean everything or nothing, according to the truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect. Confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. Remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, Take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. And uh, let's see. Jessica, would you like to read 88 and 89 also, since I went out of order a little bit? I can, or I don't need to, but um, would you like me to? I would. One more time, please. Yes, yes, okay. Thank you. When anything seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, remember it is always for one reason. The ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Remember then that neither sign nor symbol should be confused with source, for they must stand for something other than themselves. Their meaning cannot lie in them, but must be sought in what they represent. And they may thus mean everything or nothing according to the truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect. Confronted with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. Remember, the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. I'm sorry. Remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Jessica. And thank you, everyone, who read this morning. Such a powerful, powerful reading uh, to accompany our last lesson in this review. So, Fran, I will turn it over to you uh, to put an exclamation point on this perfect reading. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lori. Hi, everybody. We are in the last lesson of the first part of the workbook. Tomorrow we move over to the second part. And the lesson that we're on today is Lesson 220. I am not a body. I am free. I am still as God created me. 
There is no peace except the peace of God. Still, the end of Review 6, too. So I thought I'd read some from the original lesson, and we will uh, then do our five-minute practice on the lesson. Lesson 200. There is no peace except the peace of God. Seek you no further. You will not find peace except the peace of God. Accept this fact. And save yourself the agony of yet more bitter disappointments, bleak despair, and sense of icy hopelessness and doubt. Seek you no farther. There is nothing else for you to find except the peace of God, unless you seek for misery and pain. This is the final point to which each one must come at last, to lay aside all hope of finding happiness, but there is none. Come home. The world is not where you belong. This world is not where you belong. You are a stranger here. What does forgiveness do? In truth, it has no function and does nothing. For it is unknown in heaven. It is only hell where it is needed. Peace is the bridge that everyone will cross to leave this world behind. Today, we seek no idols. Peace cannot be found in them. The peace of God is ours, and only this will we accept and want. Peace be to us today. We seek no further. We are close to home and draw still nearer every time we say, there is no peace except the peace of God, and I am glad and thankful it is so. Now we'll go over to the lesson today's lesson. Lesson 220. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. There is no peace except the peace of God. Let me not wander from the way of peace. For I am lost on other roads than this. But let me follow him who leads me home. And peace is certain as the love of God. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. Now we'll do our five minutes.
Lesson 220. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. There is no peace except the peace of God. Let me not wander from the way of peace. For I am lost on other roads than this. But let me follow him who leads me home and peace is certain as the love of God. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Well, thank you, guys. Lovely. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Fran. That's your dedication to doing this every day that you possibly can. That takes a lot. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, thanks, Ida. Thank you. Tomorrow we have a lot because we have the introduction and then we're starting on themes, what is forgiveness, and then the lesson. So I hope I don't get too carried away. <laughs> Wish me luck. <laughs> oh, get carried away if you want. That's what I say. <laughs> Thank you. This is Donna. I always learn listening to Fran. And I am grateful for her de- dedication because she makes me dedicated to come and listen to the session, <clears throat> to the lessons. And, and I thank you for reading uh, from 200 today. In paragraph four, there was one sentence that popped out at me. This world is not where you belong. You are a stranger here. And that reminded me of a line that popped out, of me, uh, out at me in the reading. Uh, which is uh, in paragraph 85, uh, about the middle, where Jesus says, My brothers, children of our Father, this is a dream of death. And then I was reminded of Genesis where it says, And God put Adam into a deep sleep. And then I read uh, a a sentence down, skipped a sentence, and it asked, and instead of the it, I think it's the embody, if it is, that's what I saw, (laughs) ask, not release, of, or ask, not release, out of or from the body, but free body from the merciless and unrelenting orders you laid upon it and forgive it what you ordered it to do. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. That line stood out for me today, too. Thank you very much. Thank you, Donna. 
Thank you, Donna. It's always good to hear you share. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Good morning. It's Harrison. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Fran. Um, obstacles to peace. You have this lesson, which tells me that there is no peace except the peace of God. And the last paragraph of our reading. Take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin and death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace. But let you use it for me to facilitate the coming of peace. So challenging uh, to see much less experience peace in the world of my making. Um, all of the uh, things that I see that uh, I experience as loss of peace when I see a brother attack another physically, when I see physical death caused by one brother to another, it all seems to be unpeaceful. And it really is what loss of peace is. That is how I choose to judge my brothers and sisters. That's where my loss of peace comes from. It's not inherent in the doings of the world. The worst thing, quote-unquote, that seems to happen is the loss of life. Uh, that's what we think about. Either our lives or the lives of a loved one 
or even the lives of strangers. But the wonderful thing about the Course is that it puts all of that into perspective. All of that, how we see the world, how we see the bodies, our bodies and other bodies and our behaviors, all of that stems from our belief that we're a body and that others are bodies. If somehow we can remove that belief and see ourselves as God created us, spirit, and to accept that none of what we've thought or think we see is happening. It's not true. It's not happening. The only thing that can be true is the love of one brother and sister to another. That's the only thing that can be true. Everything else is a lie. It's what the ego would have me believe to keep me bound to this thing I call a body that only exists in my imagination. And so how do I rid myself of this destructive belief? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Take this from me. Look upon it. Judge it for me. Don't let me see it as a sign of sin and death. Don't let me use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make of it an obstacle to peace. But that you use it for me to facilitate the coming of peace. Do you want peace? It's yours. I'm complete. Oh, that was so wonderful, Harrison. Thank you very much. Yes, totally. Loved it. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. That was super.
Yes, it really was. Thank you, Harrison. I'm reminded of the ended that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Real quickly, I'm reminded of the lesson called "There Is No Death." The Son of God is free. And lesson 185. Also, I want the peace of God, which I just quoted in in the Course of Miracles on Facebook, and got a number of responses like, "Oh, you have the peace of God." You know, good responses, real good responses. Thank you. I'm complete. Mm-hmm. That's just about what I was going to say. I, uh, I love the way Harrison ended his share. Do you want the peace of God? Um, you want the peace of God in the universe response. Um, this is beautiful. I'm complete. Good morning, this is Sandra. <clears throat> and um, thank you for all the shares. No, the obstacles to peace, the third obstacle to peace is this attraction to death. <laughs> and the attraction to death is, is the identity with the body, <laughs> which the last 20 lessons are telling me that I'm not a body. So why am I continually identifying with being a body when actually I am the resurrection and the life? And those are powerful words to say, and they have the I am in front of it, which tells me that it's not static. It's, there's a movement there. It's a verb. I am the resurrection and the life. What does that mean whenever I say it? And I'm saying it a lot today and I'm going to be saying it for the next 30 days as an affirmation affirmation because I will to be the Christ here on earth. I will it. It's my will. And my will directs my perception. So for me, I'm going to continue to say those words and sit with them and, and, and just be present with them and let them permeate this being so that I can glean what it actually means to be the resurrection and the life here on this planet. It has nothing to do with circumstances, but it has everything to do with how I process those circumstances. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm complete. Oh, that was just beautiful, Sandra. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so with you, with you, with you on that, Sandra. Hi, guys. It's Jude. Wonderful, Sandra absolutely claiming 
I am as God created me. I am Christ, Christ consciousness itself, with a capital I itself. It has nothing to do with Judy, the little Judy, the the in-person in the body Judy. It, It comes from consciousness, that one consciousness, one self-consciousness, capital self-consciousness, one, one self-awareness that everything is, a, is love calling for love to be itself, the one call, the one answer. I love that from the text. And the peace of God that encompasses everything, that I am that peace. I'm the Prince of Peace, the baby infant whose tiny hand holds the universe universe in his hands. You know, we were really mixing metaphors here, but, um, you know, the the tiny little body self that that the ego claims is who we are is a mistake in our self-appraisal. And that's the one error that we think we're limited to a body and that love is limited to a body special love some people are deserving it some people don't deserve it but people who love with a special kind of love don't understand that it's it deprives them of the totality of the awareness of the totality of our reality as christ consciousness i was thinking about that today how Specialness really, which is just judgment. You know, we talk about judgment, and and the and you know, if we don't judge anything, everything is equal and the same. And God created us in His likeness, likeness being peace, likeness being love. I am as God is. I am as peaceful as God is. I am as loving as God is. That's who I am when I'm one with my Father. That is the resurrection, the waking up from the dream of death, this dream of being in a form, projecting an idol. And thank you, Fred, for your lesson. Introduction, that word idol really popped out at me today, and I don't know where this idea of specialness is. It came out of the blue in my meditation this morning, and uh, I think it has everything to do with with judging, seeing ourselves as what we made, the difference between what we make of ourselves and how God created us to be is in the text today. And that's the opposite, the complete opposite, ego's version of reality bodies in a world of separation, sin, sickness, suffering, and death. And that I won't judge it because I don't believe that it's real. I believe and have faith in capital R reality as God defines it to be. Prior to signs and symbols that represent their source of an ego fragment, fragmenting thoughts, fragmenting emotions, dividing, dividing, dividing. And the unity and the and the power of grace, the power of grace that the awareness of unity, of union, communion, 
I love that word. That comes from seeing everything through Christ's eyes, the eyes of forgiveness, the eyes of love, that overlooks form, differences, good or bad, right or wrong, special or not special, right clothes, right car, right house, wrong, 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 on the opposite end. You know, it's all that land of opposites and duality. So grace, the perfect state of grace is perfect peace. One will of God, one love, one peace. No opposition, no duality, nothing to choose between, because the between is our holy relationship. Everything is related and connected to one another. <coughs> Everything is connected in unity and communion. Ah, peace. I love the peace. <laughs> and I am still, stillness, quietness, as God created me. Amen. Thank you, Judy. Good morning, it's Mindy. Thank you, everyone, for your beautiful shares. Um, I had a breakthrough as far as what causes me to lose my peace right on this call. And I was feeling very peaceful and just being in the moment of now. And... Um, I finally caught the raccoon eating my kitty cat haven's cat food and ruining the eaves in my brother's garage where I live in his home. And I caught a raccoon last night and um, volunteered to, you know, if I can get some help to put it in the car to take it to the wildlife area. And my brother's coming into town to take care of his work here, renovating and selling some of his houses. And... He said, did I find any help? I said, no, can you come by to, you know, help me put him in the cage? If you don't have time to drive him all the way out, I will. And my brother's response was after I told him that, you know, I, I'm going to need some help clearing the car. And I don't have time for that, Mindy. I'm putting myself out to help you. And all of a sudden, I lost my peace. I just told him I was having a bad back day. And uh, he asked me to clean out the car. And I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that, Mark. And all of a sudden, I lost my peace. Um... And I texted him back, you know, stop, you know, I said to him, Mark, I'm saving you $175 that you promised to kill the raccoon catchers. And I just lost my peace and I uh, felt like he guilted me. I'm, I have a lot to do, Mindy, blah, 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 so you should be grateful that I'm helping, you know, I was like, oh, Lord. And I lost my peace because all of a sudden I thought, he's more important than me. And in my mind, in my convoluted thinking that he's more important than me, that proves that I'm not a worthy child of God. I'm not loved. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. And I'm going to miss out on God's love and security and peace and protection. And I just lost my peace because I gave in to the belief that somehow I'm less than other people. And therefore, I don't deserve God's kingdom, like everyone else. Wow. <laughs> Big uh-huh. <laughs> wow. 
Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Mindy. Well, thank you, Mindy. I like how you traced your thoughts back. Thank you. Me too. Thank you, Mindy. We can't be better or or less than other people because Jesus says all minds are joined in the Course, so we're really one with, quote-unquote, other people. I know you know that. I'm just reminding myself, taking an opportunity to remind myself that right now by saying it out loud. Thank you. And you know, um, if I know that everyone is the same, loved and protected, connected to God, is a whole and complete soul, I don't have to keep worrying about other people and trying to jump in and do God's job because I think somehow they have less or less ability to reach him or that their life isn't exactly as it's supposed to be and they're not as connected to their purpose, their destiny, and their enlightenment process and that everything is perfect because we all are, like you said. We are all equal under God and that helps me to completely let go of thinking that I, the enlightened one, need to step in <laughs> to correct my brother. Oh, my God. And then, you know, of course, my ego will be more at peace if I correct them and I won't have to deal with their stuff. But when I realize that they are equally connected and loved, then I can just let them be and be at peace and be here now and, and just follow my guidance, follow my heart. Because when I'm at peace, I'm able to look in my heart and open my heart. When I open my heart to God's love, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be, doing what I'm meant to do, to, to really feel love and to be that radiating center of love that God expressing as an individual, that radiating center of love and individual expression. So thanks. I am at peace, and there is no peace but God's, and there is no place God is not fully expressing in this world. Thank you. Well, Russell said, Thank you, Mindy. Whether you're... Oh, sorry. Thank you, Mindy. Um, he said to me in the book, I think God will work with you but not for you. Whether you're the president of the country or a garbage man, you're equal under God. You're definitely equal. In fact, the garbage man might tell you more about life or about truth or whatever than the president might in any case, you know, but we're all equal. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. This is Wendy. Quite a number of years ago, I had a lesson in um, needing help from somebody. And the person that I asked the help from seemed like the natural choice, what I had been doing related to her. And this, this woman was a channel and had introduced me, this, you know, atheist mind, to 
concepts that I've never even heard of the highest good, you know. And so uh, because we had been looking for land together, I had just gotten back from this big, big trip looking for some land. I just presumed she should be the one to help me. I needed a, a ride from uh, where I dropped off my rental car back home, which was a 30-minute or an hour round trip. <clears throat> so I called her up and I said, you know, I'm standing on the street here with my son. I need a ride. You know, can you give me a ride? And she goes, let me ask guidance. And I'm like, <laughs> and then she comes back and says, it's not mine to do. And I'm like, I have no way to get home. I'm standing on the street. Of course you're the person that's supposed to be taking me home. But I didn't question her. I just burst into tears and stood there, you know, victim. And the very next phone call I made was my girlfriend, Diana, who said, oh, my God, I'd love to give you a ride. I've been thinking about you and wanted to hang out. Let's do it. She swooped down, picked us up, drove us home. And the lesson that I got was just because the person you presumed was going to help you doesn't, doesn't mean that help isn't available. That it's really God directing your mind to open to there's plenty of help. But you won't you won't see it if you think you know exactly where your help is supposed to be coming from. So I'm not always great at practicing it, but it also helps me when somebody calls me and says, you know, are you going to, could you help me do this or that or the other thing? For me to check in and make sure, is it mine to do? Is it God's will that I go and assist this person uh, without jump presuming that it's up to you? One of the phrases uh, that Spirit gave us was, I'm willing to do what is mine to do, no more and no less. I'm complete. Oh, oh, I love that. Thank you so much. That was great. Boy, that's that's direction. Thank you, Wendy.
Well, the silence is truly golden. That's why I interrupted it. I'm sorry. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, I was starting to get uncomfortable with it in spite of the fact of what I just said that I know is true. Pregnant pause. You're pregnant. You're having a baby. A new idea. A little bit of my drink here. So, I don't know what else to say. Thank you, everybody. I love you all. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. It's Harrison, the third obstacle, the attraction of death. Not often we talk about death. Um, it talks here as if death is a choice. Um, that I make. Um, I love some enlightenment on what it means, the attraction of death. That's something I'm asking for. Is that my choice? I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Another very pointed question. Perfect. Thank you, Harrison. This is Lori. And um, I had a friend once. Well, no, I'm not even going to say it was a friend. It was myself. Uh, For a long time, I was attracted to death after my mother left this mortal plane. And it took a long time to realize that, um, that what I was asking for was impossible because I had the notion that death would free me uh, from grief. And isn't the ego just insane? I was I had temporary insanity. <laughs> and it manifested itself in many ways. Um, but yeah, I had the idea that death would end my suffering. And I've had friends that feel that way. I've had family members that feel that way. And it took a long time to realize that death and the wish for death is simply, very simply, a fear of life. Um, And what the ego makes of life. The ego makes of life. Everything he says, um, the illusion of suffering, the illusion of pain, the seeming 
realness of grief and loss and um, and I was reminded this morning that um, this work says the separation separation was not a loss of perfection but a failure in communication separation was not a loss of perfection the failure in communication and that's why we're given all the means you know the holy instance the holy relationship the Holy Spirit faith and all the means that we're given in order to return our mind to truth but the ultimate question is what do I want he says love will enter any mind that wants it but it must want it truly and that means uh, unambiguously not with the egos grasping or desire to get but the request for truth what do I want what do I want what do I want if I want the idea of death it'll be given me that idea will be given me and I will respond to it with a total loss of communication and a loss of the joy of living. I had a note in my book from previous years, and it goes like this. Death is really a choice for lifelessness over life. To renounce the full presence of life, to refuse the full graciousness of the experience of life it's only the ego that believes there's an opposite to life but life is eternal life is of God and we're given the means uh, to return to that truth you know the atonement is the perfect answer to every problem I've ever had the atonement says that I could no more be separate from God than I could be separate from myself but if I'm choosing death I'm really choosing lifelessness and he says you can do that you can arrest yourself you can even revert and go backwards your mind can but it cannot die because there's only mind there's only mind life is of the mind in the mind and it's all one mind the mind of God it was my belief in opposites life and not life my request for um, the silence of no communication you know he says conflicts are not resolved by death only only life resolves conflict because this conflict is the idea that there's an opposite to life and when I request death I'm really just requesting to not hear the voice of God anymore and hear only the ego the only the ego voice there's a remedy there's a remedy but I have to ask myself what it is I really want 
Do I want truth or do I want illusion? Do I want peace or do I want death? I love your point of question, Harrison. Um, That isn't what I want. And the atonement is the answer to my problem, the answer to all my problems, that there's only the one Son of God, sinless, innocent, pure, holy. And I love, I love, love, love this last lesson. There is no peace except the peace of God, the full restoration of communication with my mind and the mind of God. That's why this section ends so perfectly. Take this from me and judge it for me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what anything means. Take this from me and judge it for me. Let me not use it as an obstacle to peace. Let me not use it as an obstacle for peace. But let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. God doesn't understand our problem with communication. He says he gave us the answer. And that answer is your teacher. And as I step back, the light in the light in me steps forward and embraces. If I want peace, I will use forgiveness. And forgiveness is for the mind that offers it. He says until it sees itself as needing it no more. The atonement um, is that state of mind where I don't see that I need to be forgiven anymore, but have accepted the truth. Having accepted the atonement for himself, he says, you've also accepted it for your brother. The disappearance of conflict. I remember when I was 13, and I I think this is a universal thing that happens. The mind steps back and says, what am I here for? What am I here for? I'm here for something. You have that sense. I'm here for something. Um, and when I when I ask and ask truly, um, I'll be aware of that answer. Tracing my thoughts back, you know, this review says there's one exception. There's just one thing you need to do when you're thinking about these lessons, these thoughts that come from the Holy Spirit. One thought that enters, say, this thought I do not want, I choose instead. This thought I do not want, I choose instead. And um, and I'll tell you, for me anyway, um, that deep, deep, deep longing for love is always answered um, when I choose to return my mind to God. And um, death is the idea that I have to wait for some period of time to have peace. 
and it's not true. It's the biggest lie the ego tells of all, that I won't know peace until this body's gone. Um, the word purpose appears in this chapter 20 times. In this section, the word purpose comes up four times. And in each case, he says, you have a holy purpose. A holy purpose to bring healing, to bring light. God, I loved it when when Sandra ended her paragraph with, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, the life of Jesus. Um, I was man to remember the soul and its knowledge. And I naturally remembered the soul and its knowledge. And in that knowledge, I recognize that my will is aligned with my Creator. The will for life, the will for love, the will for peace, the will for joy, the will for happiness, the will for light, the will for love. There is no will but God's, and God's will is love, peace, joy. And all of that can be mine any time, any time I say, take this from me. Take this from me. Look upon this for me. Let me not use it as an obstacle to peace. The last thing I wanted to say about this section, you know, we practice forgiveness, and, and every time we do, we, we return our mind to truth, and, and the more I do it, the more I'm um, in the habit of releasing. But the one thing I never, ever, ever considered was that pain in the body could also uh, be forgiven. And it turns out, he talks about it right here in this section, in paragraph 85. When I release my body from the merciless orders I laid upon it, um, you know, I don't think I use my body for attack, but I can replace the idea that I have to do anything by myself with the, with the truth. And he says it so perfectly in this lesson, the original lesson. There is no peace except the peace of God. In paragraph 5, where he says, Freedom is given you, or you beheld but chains and iron doors, where you must change your mind about the purpose, purpose, purpose of the world. If you would find escape, you will be bound till all the world is seen by you as blessed and everyone made free of their mistakes and honored as he is. It's a marvelous thing. It's the most wonderful thing in the world to realize that um, so many of the characters in my life I've dreamed up. I dreamed them up. And, and these characters in my dream, in my dream of separation, are all aspects of myself that I really want to release. That's my true will. And so if I dream up a person who represents 
something that I don't like. It's really something in me I don't like. And when I discover that, when that truth lands in my mind, I'm so overwhelmed with the joy of the release of that, that miracle of of release from my misperceptions. Um, I recognize that all my gratitude is due these dream characters who participate with me in this adventure. Because every single character in my dream is that I don't that I haven't forgiven. I take take make it that very clear. Those I for, I have forgiven I recognize a part of me. But these characters that I haven't forgiven that still represent a dream to me. When I recognize that's something I don't like, I forgive it in myself. And when I forgive it in myself, I'm overwhelmed with the release of that. And so forgiveness becomes the way, you know. What am I really forgiving but something I light upon the world? Something I laid upon this dream, something I dreamed in a character. And every single time I release that, I'm I'm closer to the truth of me. And so there is no peace in God. And when I practice forgiveness, there it is right there in that lesson. Forgiveness is the bridge. No, peace is the bridge that everyone will cross, but peace begins within the world, perceived as different, and leading from this fresh perception to the gate of heaven and the way beyond. What does forgiveness do? In truth, it has no function. It does nothing for its unknown in heaven. It's only in hell where it's needed and where it must serve a mighty function. It is not the escape of God's beloved son from evil dreams that he imagines yet believes are true, a worthy purpose. Now I know what I'm here for, to practice forgiveness and time until I'm released from the idea of time. And the more I practice the release from time, the more miracles light my path. And then one day it will come, like it did for me riding down the road with my sister. She was telling me a trouble. And I said, Carol, eternity is already here. You know, it just naturally flowed out of me as the recognition of the truth. And so every dream character that shows up in my life is here to shine a light for me uh, back to heaven and don't I have every reason to be grateful to everyone I do I do because you light my path you light each other's path and forgiveness is the tool we practice to cross that bridge to peace anyway I'm complete and I'm also very very grateful Oh dear, and it's 10.01, so I have to do this recording. Um, I'm taking my sister to her post-op visit this morning. I'm pretty excited about it, so I won't be able to stay long. 
Um, does anybody have any final thoughts? Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, Me thank too. you, Donna. Thank you. Yours will be Yours were wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Harrison. Let's see here. We talked yesterday a little bit about uh, divine abstraction takes joy in application. And when it came up in meditation this morning, I thought this is just a really perfect place. You know, the separation was not a loss of perfection, but a failure in communication. Failure in communication. He says, the soul reacts in the same way to everything it knows is true and does not respond at all to anything else, nor does it make any attempt to establish what is true. It knows that what is true is everything that God created. It is in complete and direct communication, the soul, with every aspect of creation because it's in complete and direct communication with its creator. This communication is the will of God. Creation and communication are synonymous. You know, we move from healing into into our true state of being in creation. God created every mind by communicating his mind to it, thus establishing it forever as a channel for the reception of his mind and will. Since only beings of a like order can truly communicate, his creations naturally communicate with him and like him. Forgiveness returns me to love. This communication is perfectly abstract in that its quality is universal in application and not subject to any judgment, any exception, or any alteration. God created you by this, for this, for this communication. Mind can distort its function, but it cannot endow itself with functions it was not given. Being is completely without distinctions, he says. Distinctions of judgment, being. It is a state which the mind is in communication with everything that is real, including the soul. To whatever extent you permit this state to be curtailed, that's when I don't forgive, you are limiting your sense of your own reality, which becomes total only by recognizing all reality in the glorious context of its real relationship to you. This is your reality. Do not desecrate it or recoil from it. It is your real home, your real temple, and your real self. Communication. Take this from me. Judge it for me. Let me not use it for destruction. Teach me how not to make it an obstacle to peace, but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Thank you, everyone. Um, another beautiful call. I was really grateful to be a part of this morning. So in this recording, 
And as is typical, uh, there's a lot of visiting and sharing to be done when the call is over. Thank you, everyone. Oh, thank you, Lori. Thanks, everybody.